Love comes to town again. We're so glad you're joining us on this Father's Day. I hope you can relax and enjoy this day. Hope you got Dad up. He's got his cup of coffee and he's here. Everybody else, you probably ought to take notes for him this morning. Let him relax a little bit. But get your notes ready to go. It's in your app. And uh, boy, what a, what a great morning this morning. We knew it'd be great if we uh, canceled that service. No rain yet still out there? Nothing? Uh, I got up this morning to check the weather, and it said 100% chance of rain at 10. I'm like, yes! This is the only time I've been praying that it would just pour is when we make a decision, right? And then, oh no, Lord, we knew it was going to happen. Jim Bongiorno, you said it. I wouldn't have canceled my golf plans on this kind of a forecast. Oh, well. I'm good, right, Phil? Can you hear me? Because I don't hear myself, so we're good. We're in the microphone. We are in... Our Love Comes to Town series. And I just want to spend a little bit of time this morning reminding you of where we are going. Love Week is July 26th through August 1st. We've kind of dubbed that Love Week, July 26th through August 1st, the last full week of July. That's coming, coming soon. And so we want you thinking about and preparing for that love week. Don't expect that we're going to sign you up for something or prepare something for you to do. I really want this to be a a learning tool for our church, a grassroots type of effort where you need to see a need. You need to spot a need in in our community and our surrounding areas, and, and you need to get a heart for that and a passion for that, and you need to make it happen. I wrote down a couple of things. The the when. Where's where's doesn't matter what I write down. If I don't have the glasses, I can't see it. Who? The who first. It can be small groups or individuals. It can be families. It can be friend groups. You pick who does this project with you. You need to determine when you see the need, how many would it take to meet this need? Then recruit people. Ask people to join you. If you're in a small group, that's a natural. We really want to be a church of small groups, not just a church that has some small groups. So we really want you to join a small group. This is actually a good lesson for you too. If you find a project and you say, this needs eight people to do it, go around and think, who would I want to do this with? Well, then ask them to be your small group. Uh, We can form new small groups if need be. So Get some people around you. Families can do this. Your family includes your kids. Get something that your children can be involved in. That's the who. The what is we're going to love on people close to the heart of Jesus. That's the what. It's love week coming up. So we're going to love on people who are close to the heart of Jesus. Little clue, everybody's near to the heart of Jesus. And so uh, we, we got to remember what Jesus says. He says in Scripture, as you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. So you should be looking for people that are hurting, people that are struggling, people at the lowest point maybe, that, that you can come alongside and do something. So the who? Well, you figure that out. The what? We're going to love on people. The why? It's not because we're good people. It's because we're God people. Let me say it again. The why we're doing this is not because we're good people. It's because we're God's people. We're kingdom people. Kingdom people love. Kingdom people see a need and meet a need. And then the when. Well, the when should be always. We always ought to do this. But it's okay every once in a while for a church to say, let's do it on a, on a certain time frame. And we're going to do that that last week of July. How? How can I do this? Well, maybe you're going to 
find a, a senior citizen's home that needs something. Maybe go in and sing songs or, or play checkers. I don't know what you could do. But if that's on your heart, contact a, a place near you. What about children? There's children's needs all around you. Maybe you could do something to help children. Habitat for Humanity is an organization. Draw, Disaster Relief at Work is an organization. You can call any of the organizations that serve people and ask how you could step in that week. There's meals. Uh, maybe somebody is going without food at this time, and maybe you can just gather some groceries and deliver them and say a prayer. There's women's safety issues. There's some delicate things with that, and they might not be able to allow children along with that one, but I just want you to be thinking How are we going to do this love week? It's up to you to see a need, and then we're going to meet that need. We're going to be praying toward that. Hope you got your love shirt. I ordered a whole bunch of more shirts. We've got, we must have 250 people out there that are going to have these love shirts. I encourage you to wear these when you're going out on love week, but you can also wear those around too. Again, we didn't put the name of the church on there. I want this to be associated with Jesus. And as kingdom people, as God's people, you wear this shirt. If anybody asks, you represent him. I love that. Well, it's love week. It's love comes to town, our series. I want to read a verse to you before we give you the big idea. I saw this this week and I thought, wow, this sounds like today, obviously. It's 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People, remember that, people will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love. Right in the middle of that section. Without love. People will be without love. Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutals, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Remember who I told you this was about? It's easy for us to read this and say, oh, it sounds like the world out there, doesn't it? Remember, it's people will be. And then he defines what people were talking about. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Having nothing to do with such people. I think it does sound like our world we're living in, but it also can sound like the church. That's scary to think that these are people that think they're godly. These are people who feel like they've got this form of godliness or religiousness. That's the last days is when the church will deny God's power. The Bible says have nothing to do with such people. What kind of people? People without love. That's why it's all important that we are all in on love. Everybody say love. That's what we're all about. So our big idea this week, I can hear Barry screaming it out. The big idea, like a good neighbor, State Farm is, no, no, who said it? Who said that, huh? We watch too much TV. That's such a famous commercial. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Actually, it's funny, they get sued all the time because when disaster happens, they do everything they can not to pay out. I hope you understand, the insurance company is not in the business of giving out money. They're in the business of collecting money. And I don't mean to pick out all State Farm people. Insurance, that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, But like a good neighbor, it's not State Farm that's there. Like a good neighbor, kingdom people are there. Kingdom people. That's true. I hope you know that's true. Uh, I just read an article this week. It was about the, um, uh, what were those things called? The... uh, 
I want to say tsunamis, but you know it's not tsunamis. What are those things that happen down on the south coast? Hurricanes, yeah. Remember when the hurricanes came, wiped out everything? There was an article in a uh, newspaper, and this was not a a Christian-based thing, and it talked specifically about faith-based groups. Here's a quote. Faith-based relief groups are responsible for providing nearly 80% of the aid delivered thus far to communities with homes devastated by recent hurricanes. Did you hear that? Faith-based groups provided 80% of the help. FEMA provided 20%. FEMA is quoted in here, by the way, saying we're grateful that the faith-based community helps. It goes on to say, imagine that. When disaster strikes, it's Americans, specifically Americans of faith, who lend the quickest hands to provide the most assistance. I love that. Later on it says, and people who put God first, people who are committed to serving Jesus, people who are driven by a moral compass that comes from above are the real doers and shakers and movers. The ones who see a need and respond. That's what this secular newspaper said about kingdom people. I love it. They say see a need and respond. We say see a need and meet a need. Why? Love. Love, that's why we do this. We are recipients of such a great love that we can't help but to just love others. Can I remind us of that DLP, our dominant life principle? What are you living for? That dominant life principle must be love. Compassion on people. That's what we live for. And then Luke 10, 25 through 37 is where we're going to be. You can open your Bibles and turn there. Luke 10, 25 through 37. While you're finding that verse, that whole section, and it's a very rememberable section. You probably have read this many times. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. But as we're getting there, I want to remind you of what Jesus said and what Jesus did in Matthew 9, 36. It's our key verse today. When he, when Jesus... When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Remember that context? One of my favorite stories is the feeding of the 5,000 and how Jesus was with his disciples and he tells them, it's time for us to get away. We're going to get away and get some rest. They've been serving. John the Baptist had been beheaded, so they're dealing with just all sorts of emotions going on, and they're wondering, is this going to happen to us? And they've been serving nonstop, and everybody's caving in and following in. They're always meeting needs. And so Jesus says, let's get away. I'm leaving for vacation in, in an hour and a half as the clock counts down, and I'm burnt, I'm tired. I, for the first time, I really feel like I think the disciples felt just, Lord, we got to have a break. I just got to, I just, the stress and the anxiety and the struggles and the problems and the solutions cause more problems. It's, oh, I, I think the, the disciples were just exhausted. I, I kind of feel the burn myself. And then Jesus, he gets in that boat. They, you know the whole story, but he eventually ends up in the boat and they go to shore And as they're coming to shore, they see that all the people had followed them. If you look at the Sea of Galilee, they they took a little shortcut. It's about seven and a half miles long, but they took a little one-mile jog over to the other side. And and it was there. The people saw where they were going, and they ran along the shore. And these exhausted disciples thought they were going to get alone time, downtime, just us and Jesus. And then Jesus sees the crowd. Remember, I've, I've told you this before. I can't imagine what the disciples thought. They They saw the crowd, and they were like, no! Go away! 
We're on vacation. Get out of here. And then they saw Jesus, and Jesus had a different look in his eye. I don't know what it was. I don't know exactly what that look was, but they knew it when they saw it because it says he had compassion on them. I don't know what that look is, but they knew it. It was, oh, no, no, Jesus, we're not going to serve. No, no, send them away. No. Oh, here we go. Not only did he have compassion on them when he saw them because they had needs. Not only did he have compassion, he stepped out of the boat and he stepped into ministry immediately. And the disciples followed. They had to follow the teacher. They had to follow the leader, but their hearts weren't in it. Their hearts were still hard. And then he teaches them this wonderful lesson about meeting needs by the feeding of the 5,000, the bread and the loaves. Oh, what a beautiful passage. This morning, I want to use that as our thought process as we talk about love. Like a good neighbor, kingdom people are there. Why? Because Jesus was there. Because Jesus didn't get tired of of serving. He needed time to get alone and to pray and refresh. But when he he saw a need, he, he was meeting needs. Love. Love. It's an action. Compassion is not a feeling. I I want to get that right about this. It's not just a, a feeling. It wasn't just pity. He didn't just pity them. His compassion drove him to step. That's my main thing today. Get this right. His compassion made him step out of where he was into where he needed to be. Love. That's action based on compassion. So let's... Let's do it. We already did the, yeah, let's do it there. Got to pray. Haven't even prayed yet. Getting fired up. Let's pray this morning. Would you pray this prayer? God, if there's anything you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give that prayer to God. God, if there's anything you want me to hear this morning, I'm willing to listen. God, may you be glorified. May everyone hearing this be edified and may Satan be horrified. In Jesus' name, amen. So the the love, we got to define that again. We keep throwing this in front of you, reminding you, what is our definition of love? It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Love is selfless, willing, sacrifice. Remember those three words. Love is selfless, willing, sacrifice for the good of another person, even when that person's not deserving, and without expecting anything in return. Keep that in mind as we read today. Let's go to the passage, Luke 10, 25-37. And I know you know this, but don't tune out. Look at it again. Look for things in this passage to see who you need to be like, what you need to be doing, what the action of love means that you need to step to. Look at it today. Let's read it. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Ding, 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 ding. That's not in there, by the way. He got it right. I mean, this is the best answer in Scripture. I mean, usually when Jesus asks a question, the answer's not right. (laughs) And it it reveals something that's not right. But, But here, boy, this guy nailed it. This is exactly what Jesus taught was the center of the mark. What I preached last week, the center of the bullseye to hit the target, Jesus said the most important rule, love the Lord your God with everything you've got and love people more than yourself. 
This guy quoted it. This is, this is the DLP, the dominant life principle on steroids. Yes, you got it right. So Jesus comes back and says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Do what? He's still confused, I'm sure. Do this. What do you mean do this? I thought it was just a good answer. This is actually living and loving the way Jesus tells us. Love God with everything you've got. Love people more than yourself. Do this. You'll have life. Do this. He wanted to justify himself. He's definitely a lawyer. He's thinking about that. And he's like, well, I need to know more. So he asked Jesus, well, then who is my neighbor? If I've got to love my neighbor, I better make sure I know exactly who that person is. So who exactly is my neighbor, Jesus? I want to get this in writing. I want to make sure there's, there's no clause that I'm going to lose e- eternal life over this, Jesus. I need you to specify who exactly do I have to love? I don't want to be bothered by loving a bunch of people I don't need to love. Just make sure we clarify. And we need to narrow this down, Jesus, because of, I know God, I love God with everything. But who are these people? Is it my next door neighbor I live near? Is it the people I work with? Who exactly, Jesus? Just so I don't blow it and get it wrong. Well, Jesus then tells a story like Jesus does. <laughs> who is this? Who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went on their way, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on his head and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The experts of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Well, Jesus said, go and do likewise. I just, I love this passage. Oh, there's so much richness in this passage. And you've heard it eloquently given by many preachers. I don't plan on expounding upon it forever this morning. Maybe I just want to point out some of the simple. Coming from Jerusalem to Jericho, you can assume that this man who was beaten up and robbed, he's probably coming from his religious duties. He's on his way from Jerusalem to home, probably. So he'd probably been to services. He's coming back. Got bad guys doing bad things. That's the world we've always lived in. But then that's where the story gets great, isn't it? You got a pastor who comes by. I just love that. You got a priest, it says. Maybe it's, you can envision, you can envision PD coming by. I love how the Bible says, but he, he just passed by on the other side. I don't know if he was on the side where the man was and he actually moved out of the way. More, li- more than likely, he saw the man and he just stayed where he was. He just passed on by on this other side of the man. He didn't, he didn't go near him. 
I've heard many reasons why, and I'm not even going to give them because I doubt them anymore. I don't, I don't know if any of those are true. I don't think it's the point that Jesus is bringing up that, that, that the priest would become uh, unclean. Maybe, maybe not, but who cares? Does it matter? And Pastor Don didn't stop. The pastor didn't stop. He, he didn't go to the man. And then the Levite, which would be an elder. I got some elders I invited to come, Jim and, and Jeff are here today. Can you imagine? I just said in a thousand years couldn't imagine this, but, but here, here's Jim and Jeff. They're, they're, they're both coming from services too. And, and, and they see the man, but they just pass by on the other side. Whether they're on that side and moved the other way or they just stayed on the side and didn't go, either way, it doesn't matter. They passed by. And that's what's great. This is, this is the best part. And a Samaritan comes by. And I've told you this before. It's my favorite part of this. This is like telling a story. There was a papa bear and a mama bear and a baby skunk. I mean, what? No. I mean, the crowd listening to this, this, this man, this lawyer had to get rocked out of his shoes because he thinks he knows where Jesus is going. He thinks, he, he thinks Jesus is saying, well, a priest and then a Levite, then a Jewish person. You know, he thinks that's, the, that's what Jesus should say. But that's why Jesus was a master teacher. He taught trilogies. So there's three things in this story. And the third one is, bam. And he just gives the uppercut. The, the priest, the Levite, the, the Jew. No, not the Jew. The Samaritan. <gasps> Samaritan. Let me read it in, in the PD local version. If I can find it. The pastor passed by on the other side. The elder passed by on the other side. But then came the Jewish lesbian. Democrat, left wing, far liberal. You hear what I'm saying, church? Jesus used an illustration of somebody that you wouldn't think he would use as the hero. He, he, he uses an illustration of somebody that was looked down upon, somebody that I'm not like that. The lawyer's thinking to himself, where is he going with this? And he said it was that person that you don't like, the person that you wouldn't go through their city, the person that you would avoid, that person sees the compassion comes, but it's not just pity. I know the Bible says pity there, but it's not just pity. It's not just feeling, because the next thing is action. Everybody say action. Love is action. He sees the need and he steps The Bible says he went to the man as opposed to the pastor who passed by, as opposed to the elder who passed by. This person that we never would think would do the right thing, they stepped to that person. Not only did they step, they bandaged. They poured wine and oil. It doesn't sound very sanitary to me, but it worked back then. And, and they bound him up, put him on the donkey. They were on a way. They had a journey. They had a purpose. But now their purpose has changed. They've got this wounded man, almost dead, on their donkey. They take him to the nearest place. They pay money out of their pocket. Cash comes out, laid down. Not only cash comes out, but then a promise. I need to open a tab with you, sir. I'm going to open a tab. So whatever it costs, he didn't set a limit. Whatever it costs me, here's what I've got today. I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you whatever it costs. Wow. Then he says, which of the three was a good neighbor to the man? Well, obviously the one who showed mercy. 
<laughs> Do you notice he never answers the question? If you're wondering today who you need to love, Jesus never answered that question. He didn't. He never says, this is the people you have to love. What he says is, this is how you should be loving. It's not who's my neighbor. Who can I be neighborly to? He flips the whole thing on its head. So I I just picked a couple of things this morning we want to just talk about, and then we'll be done. Number one, like a good neighbor, restoration is more than observation. Restoration, that is what Jesus is all about. Acts 3, 21. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago. God is in the business of making all things new. Revelation 21, 5. Behold, I am making all things new. Jesus is in the business of restoration. The person was wounded and dying and the the stranger stepped that way. Why? For restoration. I see restoration in this passage, but it's more than just observation. It's not enough for us to sit in the pew and pity. It's not enough for us to see needs and say, oh, I feel bad for you, I'll pray for you. It's not enough. Love requires action. It's not just a feeling. It's not just feeling bad. It's action. And if not you, then who? If it's not you that's got to do it, then who's going to do it? Who's going to be a neighbor? Who's going to love people more than they love themselves? So I must step out. Fill those in on your notes, sir. But write that down. I must step out. I go back to Jesus who's in the boat. And there's no way he can get from the boat to the people. There's no way he can get from compassion and pity to the people without stepping. And so he steps out. Friends, I'm going I'm to tell us as a church, we need to step out. The best thing that can happen is when we exercise our bones. Atrophy sets in for the believer who doesn't exercise his love. So we need to step out. we got to take a step out of our comfort zone. A step out of our complacency. A step out of where we feel safe. And we've got to step out, sometimes into the unknown. Because when we see a need, we've got to meet a need. And that could get messy. Like a good neighbor, restoration is more than observation. I want to say this here too. I, I, my father and mom live in Illinois. And my, my dad has had all sorts of medical situations. And uh, oh, found out last week he went up on a ladder and was cleaning his gutters. <coughs> good thing I lived five and a half hours away or I'd been in the car to tell him, you can't do that. He's up 10 feet on a ladder. He's like, it was only 10 feet up. Dad, I know you're watching this on this Father's Day, but I'm still going to scold you a little bit here. 10 feet up on a ladder. And he's having those episodes still. But Dad, if you had had an episode, this could have ended so much worse. And then immediately in my mind, I thought, why would he, why would he get on a ladder when Steve's right next door? And then it dawned on me. My, my, my dad's neighbor, literal physical neighbor, is a guy named Steve. He doesn't claim to know Jesus. He doesn't claim to have an affinity to church. But during this whole time when my dad has been incapacitated, Steve's been mowing the yard. Steve's been plowing the driveway. And I thought in my mind, if, if Steve had seen him on that ladder, he'd have jumped that fence. He'd have jumped the fence and said, Don, get down! Because he's a good neighbor. You don't just observe from afar. A good neighbor is into action restoration 
Like a good neighbor, the second thing is neighbors aren't just next to us. I want you to know that Jesus explodes the proximity theory. If you would like to feel safe and, and, and answer the question that never got answered, who's my neighbor? Jesus explodes the idea that it's whoever lives next door. Yeah, those are neighbors, but they're not the only neighbors. Jesus just explodes this proximity thing. Why? Because he kept going and stepping. And there's more and more neighbors when you're stepping. To see your neighbor, you've got to step over. It's not just proximity. It's not people who, who just live where you live. It's not people who like what you like. It's not people who look like you look. It's not people who vote like you vote. I was going to say lever like you lever. It would have been much better with the L's there, but I didn't think you'd get it, so I put up with it. It's not just people who live where you live, like what you like, look what you look, or look like you look, or vote like you vote. That's not neighbors. Those are simple. Those are easy. Those are fun. Sometimes that's, that's our small group, and that's our best friends, and that's great. But your neighbor is more than them, the people close to you. Sometimes a neighbor is somebody that is totally opposite of you. And they don't live where you live. And they don't look like you look. And they don't look like or like what you like. And they don't vote like you do. None of that should matter about loving people. It's not about race. There is no race in this. There is no economic in this. There's no geographics in this. There's no simple logic in this. Who is your neighbor? Go, and as you go, and start stepping. As you start stepping, you're going to see new neighbors. And if you see a need, meet a need, they're your neighbors. That's what this passage does. That's why Jesus doesn't answer, who's your neighbor? He says, just go out and be neighborly. Be love. Be love. So at first I said you must step out. That's Jesus stepping out of that boat. But now in this one I say you got to step over. The pastor stayed on that side. He didn't step over. The elder stayed on that side. He didn't step over. But the person who was a neighbor stepped over. Sometimes you got to go out of your way, church. we got to go out of our way. That's why Love Week is a good practice. It's good, it's good exercise. It's a good physical workout for us to be searching and thinking, who has needs? Because I have love to give. That's what it's about. we got to step out of our comfort zone. we got to step over any boundary, any barrier. Maybe, matter of fact, as you're looking for these projects, why don't you look to people who aren't like you? Why don't you start looking to people who don't live near you? Why don't you start looking for people who don't look like you look or who vote like you vote or, or, or have the same cultural experience that you have or the same economic background? Look for somebody different. Look for somebody outside of that and step out and step over. Love. And like a good neighbor, compassion has a cost. That's very clear in this passage. I love Jesus just, just, but didn't he just pour that point? He just, he just, here comes this Samaritan, somebody that the Jews do not like. And it had to do with a little bit of race, had to do with a little bit of religious differences. Boy, if, if Facebook and Twitter were alive back then, there would have been a lot of Samaritan and Jewish hating going on back and forth. We got the enemy who's a Samaritan, the far left wing liberal, just not like them. Being a neighbor, showing compassion. And then the cost, 
Compassion has a cost. They not only used their resources that they had, they poured the wine and the oil and the bandages, used their donkey, used their time, used their, where they were going, they put that on, they, all that stuff they were using of their own to get this person some help. But then when they got there, cash comes out. Compassion sometimes costs you. And that's sometimes an exercise we need. We need to give generously and abundantly, giddily. Is that a word? Giddy, giddy. We need to give giddy. The money comes out and on the table. But then I, I, another step, I mean, Jesus, is, he's always just adding one more kapowie. And then he, he says that this flaming liberal left-wing person on the wrong side of the tracks says, and open a tab. Had occasion to go to a restaurant for the first time last week. Sit down. You know, we, we, we did the takeout to help keep our local businesses going. We did all that during this time frame. But the first sit-down restaurant, Josh and I were coming home. And we were out shopping. Mom wasn't there. That's always a mixture of trouble because when mom's not there and Josh and I are out, we're going to go eat. And I said, Josh, how about the burger bar? Yes, let's get a burger. So we stopped at the burger bar and we sat there and everybody's social distancing. Everything was going well. And we ordered our burgers and some young guys came and they were talking about something. And the one guy said loud enough for Josh to hear, the guy says, and just open a tab. My son heard that, and he's like, Dad, what, what are they doing? How, how much are they going to drink? I said, I don't know, but they're getting serious if they're opening a tab. I said, Josh, what they're doing is they just keep the drinks coming, and they'll pay for it all at the end. The waitress didn't say, okay, I'll open a tab, but it's only going to have $5 on it. No. The guy didn't say, I, I want to open a tab, but don't let me go over 20 bucks." No. He says, I'm opening a tab. When it's all done, we'll square up. So... I don't know how you're going to take that whole story, pastor and his son talking about a tab. But anyways, it worked out. But here's this person. And they take them, they've already spent resources and time and energy, and, and then they open the tab. The cash is on the table. I'm coming back. Whatever it costs, I'll pay you. That's compassion. That's giddy compassion. That's over-the-top compassion. That's what Jesus says about this person. We can't pay Jesus back, but we can pay it forward to his children. I hope you don't think love week and this whole talk about love is, is we got to guilt this thing because Jesus did something for us. No, we are recipients of unbelievable love. Oh, the love we've been given, it just we didn't deserve it, we didn't earn it, and we can't pay anything back toward it. But we can live a life of love. Jesus wants more than anything for us to be living like he lived. See a need, meet a need. See, have compassion, step. We got to start stepping people. And in that way, we pay it forward. The first one was I got to step out. And then I need to step over. The third one's the hardest. I must step into somebody's life. This person was all in for this person that had almost been killed by these robbers. They were all in. They were going to see it through. We need that. We need that. Stepping into someone's pain, hurt, and need is messy. It's time-consuming, and it's costly. But it's priceless. I've shared with you, church, many times. I've taken mission trips all over the world, some of the worst, scary parts of the world, some of the most poor parts of the world, some people who are hated racially in this world. I've stepped 
out of my comfort zone and stepped over to where they were and stepped into people's lives. That's what I'm preaching this morning. That's what I believe Jesus was teaching this man when he wanted to know who's my neighbor. He was just wanting to justify. Jesus, just clarify. I want to make sure I don't love too many people. I don't want to love somebody I don't have to love. So just clarify. Give me the parameters. And Jesus goes, oh, nice prayer. No proximity, just love. And he uses this incredible story. And this morning, I pray you pick up on it. Like a good neighbor, I must step out of my comfort zone. Step over any barrier or obstacle. And step in people's lives in love. The question is not, who's my neighbor? The question has always been, to whom can I be a loving neighbor. I'm going to ask the band to come up and join me as we do a closing song. But my challenge for you is this. I'm going to be gone for two weeks. I don't want you to waste that time. I want you to be inspecting opportunities to love. I want you to use the eyes of Jesus to see needs, to see compassion, to see pity, but not just to have feelings, to go to action. I want to encourage you to start organizing. What is the project I'm going to do the last week of July? Who is it that I'm going to do this with? Start the planning. Start the inviting. Start the working. And I want to see what God will do. I I want to be surprised in a great way. I want to be rejoicing on the day we come back at the end of the love series and we start sharing stories of what God did through love. And I guarantee you the stories are going to be, this is what we set out to do, but here's what God did in me. I'm sure that's what's going to come of it. This is what God stirred up in me. Because love always affects even you and even me. Let me pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that we would have eyes, the eyes of Jesus to see people's needs. God, as we start thinking about what we can be involved in during Love Week, God, I pray that you would show us your heart, Show us your love for people. And God, help people to do the planning and work that goes into that. And God, I pray for good results in the lives of people that can be touched, but also in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.